Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Nick Holkamp. Nick is the Chief Medical Officer at Rankin-Jordan Pediatric Bridge Hospital, which helps kids from birth to 21 who are well enough to leave a traditional hospital setting but are not ready to go home. Hello, Nick. Hello. That sounds like an amazing bridge. It's a neat place, and it serves a unique mission in the community, and uh, we have great people and have a really positive impact on a a small uh, patient population, but those who don't uh, have an option otherwise. And so... What it, it, it's something that I mean, and I got to experience your TEDx talk. It's coming, guys. Um, I got to experience your TEDx talk firsthand. I kept feeling, why doesn't every city have one? Exactly, and I have some thoughts about that. But I think uh, my hope is that eventually it will be sort of the standard of care to have this transitional uh, element that spot on the healthcare continuum that takes care of kids who have are alive because of the advances in medicine but then when they're ready to leave the hospital the acute care hospital family's not ready for them they're not ready really to be at home and we've sort of only done half the job so i think eventually because this population is growing there will be more and more of these places across the country very good so do you you guys help um, medically, but do you also help emotionally, mentally, that? Yes, we take pride in taking care of the whole child and really the whole family for that matter. Exactly. And that, you know, in healthcare, you talk about health and then mental health. It's all health. It's all health, exactly. And, and so we have doctors and nurse practitioners and nurses and respiratory therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists. And the psychologists have helped uh, overlay a curriculum for the whole staff on behavioral health and how um, the the trauma, the medical trauma that these kids and families have been through influence their recovery and how we have to dial that into the care we provide at the bedside every day. So it's really a big part of what we do every day. And it's got to be, I mean, because I can only imagine, you know, the child and what the child is going through. Because there's some little kids that are, probably don't truly understand what the heck is happening to them right now. And then the family, I can't imagine how difficult this has to be for the parents. To You, you want the best for your child, and there's things that are so out of your control in this situation. Yeah, it's really, we take care of kids uh, to whom the worst things imaginable have happened to them, whether it's severe prematurity or a congenital condition that nobody uh, saw coming or a terrible accident or an injury or a burn or harm at somebody else's hands. And that impact, obviously, on the child, depending on age, how significant that is. Kids are very resilient, but they still feel that effect for years afterwards. And then the family, the parents, obviously, who want to be with their child and and, and have uh, immense care and love to give, but they're now separated from their child during the worst circumstances of the child's life. And then there are siblings who can't be involved. It really has waves of impact that we have to uh, really consider when we're looking at taking care of the whole child. 
And then how do you and your staff take care of yourselves by seeing a lot and being a part of some really difficult life challenges for people? That's a great question. And uh, burnout in healthcare is a very thing, common. Yeah. Very common because of things like compassion fatigue and just the stress of, of wanting to do your best, feeling responsible for the outcome. Um, in our setting, I think uh, we play off of and feed off of the energy that children naturally bring to their recovery. My sense of pediatrics and children in general is if you give them an opportunity to do what they would choose, in our case, play as often as possible, then they get better faster and their uh, attitude and their uh, the, the impact on their recovery also uh, bleeds over into the, the people taking care of them. And, and it's really an upbeat, positive place in spite of the terrible things that have happened to get kids there. So let's talk about that because play is a big part of what's offered at Rankin George, which is a mate that's, you know, hospital. Ugh. Not There's a playful no spot. Playful things going on at the hospital. So your place, let's talk about the different ways that you guys play. Well, the building itself is colorful, bright, uh, lots of natural light. It's kid-friendly. There's a playground inside. There's a playground outside. Um, the, the goal, our whole care philosophy is called care beyond the bedside. You don't get better sitting in bed in your hospital room no. with nurses mm-hmm. and doctors around. You get a better up and out and doing things. And what do kids want to do? They want to play. Yes. Even if they're attached to machines and monitors and feeding pumps and have to be close to all that support in a hospital setting, we do everything we can to make it possible to have them give them those experiences, taking great care of them medically, but opening up their opportunities so they can do what they would choose if they weren't in the hospital. Right. And then I I imagine these kids make some amazing friends that are going through, it's like going through a difficult experience with others, other kids, that's got to be healing in and of itself. Yes. I think the social component, the interaction, uh, hospital Hospitals can be pretty isolating. Most kids are in their rooms, in their beds alone for the vast majority of the time. Being up and out and in social areas and with activities, both structured and and free form, kids get to interact and socialize. And yes, they can be supportive of one another. The parents can be supportive of one another in a way that um, they they might not have an opportunity in a a more conventional setting. I had a nice conversation with a couple of moms uh, recently who were um, a little bit commiserating, but thankfully voicing their appreciation of how accommodating we are to both the children and the families so that they can have some normalcy. Because as an outsider looking in, you can imagine how they feel, but I don't know that we really get it unless you're in that situation. I think you're right. And um, I, I have been in this role since just after my son was born. And Almost every day at work, I thought, boy, thank goodness this didn't happen to one of my kids. And and I don't know how I would handle it if it had. And I admire the parents who can hang in there and accommodate uh, just uh, real awfulness in some cases and then show up and bring a, a positive healing energy to their 
child because they know that's what will help them get better faster. Exactly. Now, so, and then financially, I mean, you, it doesn't matter if a person has no money or tons of money, correct? That's right. Um, the beauty of children in healthcare is that uh, there really shouldn't be a child in this country with medical needs that aren't covered. And so Medicaid is a big uh, source of our revenue that covers the cost of care. Uh, uh, for inpatient stays, it's exceedingly rare to even send the patients a bill because the, the insurance covers most of the, wow. the the costs. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, that has to. So good all around. Well, we've found a good niche that serves the needs of the healthcare community, the hospitals in which these kids are backing up. The state of Missouri who knows these kids don't have a good option. It's really hard to get them home at this point in their recovery. And the families who within three or 400 miles don't have an option similar to this. Right. I mean, and for the families, I mean, this financially could be devastating if, Health care you know. is not inexpensive. No. Um, I, again, there is still a burden, travel, and, and the non-covered costs of having a medically complex child. The other side of that, though, is that we've already invested in many cases hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in a single child based on how long they've been in intensive care, the NICU, uh, at the hospital, exceedingly expensive. And now we need to do the rest of the job and it, it it's expensive care. Healthcare is very yeah, expensive, and there's yeah. no no simple way around that, unfortunately. Yeah, in the U.S. especially, right. I've, 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 I recognized that from being in other countries. But you know, you don't know. I mean, there's there's it's it's a complicated issue everywhere. Right, right, right. Um, so, how did this occur that that you became the CMO there? That's a a, a little bit of a long story, but I. Uh, was here in town for medical school at um, St. Louis U and then uh, stayed on for residency at Cardinal Glennon, then spent about nine years as a pediatric hospitalist at uh, Mercy. It used to be St. John's way yep, back when. Yeah, right. You know, I started medical training. I started medical school 40 years ago. <sighs> Let's see. So how old are you? 63. Okay, so I'm 59. So we, we were probably at SLU around the same time. Probably. Yeah. And after that nine years at St. John's, I took a year off to take care of my then newborn son, um, which was great for me and my family and as a pediatrician to learn firsthand what that's like to be a parent instead of the so-called expert who's never had a child of his own. And then got this offer to be the part-time medical director. Rankin Jordan at that point was sort of a on the, the cusp of failing uh, nursing home for small children that had been established in the early 40s. Okay. So their job was, are we going to lean into this or are we going to let it fizzle? Right. And they hired me to see what we could do to enhance the medical care because the needs of the children were were increasing so dramatically because right. of uh, the advances in health care. And, and it was a pretty quick uh graduation to, well, we're not a nursing home anymore, and we're taking care of sicker and sicker kids. We became a hospital, uh, eventually moved into our uh, current 
building in 2004 and expanded, doubled the size in 2018. It's been a remarkable journey just really by saying yes and meeting the needs of the community and the patients who weren't otherwise served in that way. Incredible. So share with us just maybe something that I wouldn't know to ask you about Rankin Jordan. Oh, that's a a good question. Um, I I think the, the, the team dynamic exceeds that which you'll find in any other healthcare setting. We are so interconnected. There's no hierarchy of, well, go find the doctor because they're the boss. Right. We have doctors and nurse practitioners, nurses, social workers, care coordinators, some specialty physicians, uh, physical occupational speech therapists. Uh, Every Tuesday we have discharge rounds where all of those folks get in the room at the same time and say, is this child approaching discharge readiness? Because that's our goal. Get them home with their families as soon as possible. Um, So that's, I I really think that's uh, one of the keys to our success. And again, focusing on uh, Mary Rankin Jordan, the founder said 80 plus years ago, consider the children first in all you do. And I think it's more than a platitude. We take the child's perspective as often as we're able. When there's cost involved, when there's important decisions to make, what's in the best interest of the child? Um, and, and we've got a lot of work to do because we haven't figured it all out. Here's my most recent challenge and dilemma. How is it we still in this day and age separate the child from their family almost from the first minute they need to be in the hospital? A parent can be at the bedside, but think about what that's really like. And if they have to be there for weeks or months and the parent caregiver has other children or a job or lives far away, it's almost impossible to get the family and the child together, and and and, and yet that's the norm. It's such a critical time. It's such the critical time, such both critical illness time. and and stage of life, right? Especially early in life, right? So we've got work to do on how to make it easier and and support families better because I think that's like play, critical to a child's recovery. Absolutely, I mean because I mean the child while in the hospital has to feel so lonely and when there isn't the mom or dad or you know that caregiver with them that's got to create its own set of issues absolutely uh we have children who come out of the neonatal intensive care unit at six eight twelve months old or older and have never been home and then stay with us a year or two or more and have never been home with their family. A family can visit and be there as much as they're able, but imagine being 50 miles away, having two other children, a job. Um, So, uh, and, and again, like play, a family's presence in terms of knowing your child and what to do when there's problems and getting comfortable with their care, which is, uh, uh, you know, not anything any parent expected to exactly. have to learn. Right. Um, and and it's just really hard to, to have that bonding time and get comfortable with your very sick and complicated child. So parents tend to almost be afraid of, of uh, their kids in some ways. And bonding is 
immensely important. The 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 lack of bonding that can happen with a child is is could have such devastating effects on them and everyone around them. I think those two, the bonding with the family and developmental um, opportunities, those two things are in pretty short supply in hospitals. At Rankin Jordan, we're trying to overcome the the play element and the socialization, but we still haven't figured out how to get the the parents there. And because of those two factors, I think are related to the fact that up to eighty percent of these kids who come out of the neonatal intensive care unit with the level of need our kids have breathing tubes in their neck or feeding tubes in their stomachs have significant developmental delays. I think oh, they're related. Absolutely, yeah. it's related. Um, wow. So you have a you still have a big task before you. You're not done. No, we're just getting started. Yeah. 23 years in and we're on the cusp of doing uh, we're we're finalizing our uh, strategic plan for the next 3 to 5 years. And, and the board is fully on board with really trying to lean into how unique our approach is and how vital our service is, how limited our reach is at the moment, and how to get uh, the word out and to have more influence more widely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yay. Um, thank you for all of that. That's It's, it's invigorating. It, it makes me feel younger than I am, and it makes me want to get up and go to work every you day. You can tell. There's yeah. a lot of work yeah, yet yeah. to be done. Yeah. So is it just for Missouri residents or? No, we serve to the scatter map, and about a third of our patients come from Illinois, uh, a big majority from Missouri, but we get kids from all around the Midwest because okay. of the unique service we provide. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Nick, thank you for what you and your team do. Well, thank you for uh, helping me get the word out, and uh, we love it. And we we do have a, uh, a different culture that is uh, really uh, built on wanting to give back to these kids what they haven't had a chance to experience before this. Amazing. So... Tell people how they can learn more about Rankin Jordan. Well, the obvious way is the the website. I love giving tours. And so uh, two or three times a week, whether it's medical students or we had a, a Illinois state senator last week, uh, donors uh, who have a wider influence. We do depend on charitable dollars for certain aspects of our care that insurance doesn't cover. Um, Lots of ways to learn, but we're also learning how to get the word out. We have long been a, a well-kept secret, and we don't want to be anymore. Right. We're often confused with Rankin Technical College. We don't want to be anymore. Very different. Very different. <laughs> Very different. And uh, if we can, we're we're well established within the medical community. But if you think about taking care of 1% of kids with these level of challenges, that means 99% of people have never heard of us. Right. Is there a relationship between Rankin Technical and Rankin Jordan? I think Jordan? way, way back. Way back family yes. thing? Gotcha. Okay. I, yeah, that was a good thing for me to ask because I got a curious on that one. Mary Rankin Jordan uh, uh, was a benefactress throughout the community in a very uh, subtle and um, quiet way. But if you look and her uh, descendants have done research, she's had 
uh, influence all throughout the St. Louis community in charitable oh, giving. What an awesome legacy. It, it is. He was yeah. really generous and, and, and caring for the unmet needs of kids and families even back then. I love it. Oh, well, thank you. So I have fun questions for yes. you. Um, I want to know about this poster you have that's two feet tall and says yes on it. It is, uh, they're, they're individual letters, and my wife got it for me because I've long had a reputation at Rankin-Jordan. Like, go ask Dr. Holkamp, he'll say yes, which I love having that reputation. It's gotten me in trouble a few times. <laughs> but that's sort of been our philosophy within this, um, the time I've been there to say yes to what the community and the families and patients need that they can't get elsewhere. And... Um, uh, so uh, it it's not yes to every request that comes along. It's, right. Let's do our best to say yes rather than no. That doesn't fit into what we do. But it's it's a yes to consideration. It's a yes to we're open. We tell us and let's see if we can do something about it. Which that says a ton yes. about you, you and your team that you're open to hearing the yes within any kind of a request. And it means we hate to say no. And unfortunately, we have to say no fairly often because we have only 60 beds. Mm -hmm. We have staffing for about 50 kids right now. Our strategic plan is starting to look at how to expand. But um, there are more kids who need our level of care than we can accommodate at any right. one time. So that's a real challenging um, ethical and philosophical dilemmas we get into every day is, who who is most appropriate and will benefit the most from our side? Right. Whoo-wee. Yeah. The, other, I, the hard side of yes. The, the hard side of yes, exactly. Um, okay. I, sorry, I had to let that one sink in a little bit. All <laughs> right. So my next question for you is, what sounded awesome? And then you tried it and you went, mm, not so awesome. <laughs> What's that? You mean uh, anything, uh, anything in your world? Was there ever a time where you're like, that sounds awesome? And then you tried it and went, that was not yeah. awesome. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I think uh, we um, uh, flex and, and pivot and are, are pretty dynamic. And so when we run into a roadblock or like you said, thought something was a great idea, turned out not to be. Um, we 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 are completely independent. That's one of the beautiful things about Rankin Jordan. Um, we have great partnerships with many of the other healthcare entities in town, but we are not beholden to any of them. So we can make decisions on the fly and correct course if we make a mistake like that. Got yeah. How about you personally? Have you ever been like, I'm going to try this food and then go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think uh, maybe uh, destinations, I thought, well, that was probably not such a great <laughs> idea. Um, I think um, I, I think I'm learning as I get older. I, I feel younger the older I get because I'm finally getting to the point where I don't have to worry so much about making mistakes. And so I'm I, my regret is not being a little bit more open to possibilities yeah, when or, I was younger. Or maybe there's a silver lining. I've got the silver yeah. lining thing, yes. you know. Yeah. We we recently got back from vacation and one of our Airbnbs 
Mm, a bust not awesome <laughs> okay not awesome this place um but you know i was we were also i'm like look what, what are we going to do are we going to try to find another place which sounds like a hassle or are we just going to make the best of it right yeah you know, and let, let's just make the best of it we've got fun people here on vacation let's just make the best of it and we did yes but you know you you kind of yeah you gotta yeah. one of those things where we walked and went ah the pictures are different (laughs) a little more research ahead of time or something yeah um all right so i am all about kindness which you are the epitome of um but share with us something that you either witnessed or received or or gave around kindness just top of mind kindness story um that that's a good one and i you probably have too many to <laughs> well i i am conscious of that within myself i feel like that's the legacy i want to um in in honor of my parents and and family who you know really um uh, built that into our psyches, my my siblings and I, to do well by others and to be kind. My father was the kindest person I know, Aww. knew, and um, and and just finding opportunities around the building, whether it's with staff. I love just it, it's scary sometimes to walk up and introduce myself to parents I haven't mm. met. Yeah. To that point when they're in terrible situations and may have had a bad day. So, yeah, I'm Dr. Oldcamp. I'm the guy who's responsible for care around here. Is there anything we could be doing better or that I can do for you to make your day better? Um, and that's when I encountered the, the two mothers I mentioned before. And they were happy to give me feedback, but were really afraid that they sounded like they were complaining. So, no, this is helpful. We want to do better for every next patient and exactly. family who comes in the building. And the blind spots. Everybody's got blind spots. Oh, so, make we. us aware of the blind spots so that we can do better. We think we've got it figured out at our peril. Yeah, right, right. right. Well, that's so true, though. And and if you were not asking for feedback, it's yeah, you you're never gonna know. Right, you're never gonna know. It's that check in of are we doing what we need to be doing, and what what are we what are we not seeing? Right. Um, I just have to share this because it reminded me one mother who was very pleased with all the care she'd gotten about the son about to be discharged after eight or 12 weeks in the hospital, I think, said, I don't want to complain, but, you know, there's only one visitor allowed at night. And my family and I live 100 miles away. My husband can drive up on the weekend. He can take over, but I have to leave. We've been ships passing in the night for 12 weeks. Imagine the additional stress on the family of not having your main support person there to help you through this uh, challenge. So um, again, more fuel to we need to do better by families. Yeah, yeah, because this is something that could, I mean, it's obviously going to impact the family significantly. So anything you can do to lessen that impact and, 
bring that sort of just that little simple bit of joy of yes. them getting to spend time together. Absolutely. And, and, and it translates to a, a faster, fuller recovery for the child when the whole family has, uh, you know, mutual support and they're, they feel hearty when they're there to support their child. I have to imagine, too, that it answers a lot of unanswered questions for the whole family. When when the whole family is not involved, there's you're filling in blanks you're you're not understanding the fullness of what's going on right exactly. especially siblings right? right i mean siblings don't get what's really going on with my brother or sister no especially before they come to rank and jordan again we have a a, a a full-time position devoted to family support a patient experience person who um, organizes family events both for the Rankin-Jordan community and individual families and getting siblings there where there's a playground and then their sick child sibling who's never been home can be out on the playground with uh, the sibling and start to get bonded and comfortable in a way that is just really hard in a conventional hospital. Yeah, you know, this is such a gift to me right now because um, I'm, I'm now going, oh, I need to, because my I have a brother that went through a lot of health challenges growing up, and it my my other brother and I were just blind to it. We didn't, we never saw it. We saw, we saw him come home. I think we got to. I don't even think we could visit him in the hospital because we were too young. Right. Like at the time, they wouldn't let us in, and so it was just like. We had no concept of what, what he was really going through. And now that makes me want to go talk to him and be like, hey, I, I didn't get to, like, tell me. Yeah. You know? And it may have been that your parents were sort of thinking they were shielding you from the discomfort of having to deal with a, a, a sick sibling. But um, I think your idea is a good one. Just just talk it through and say, yeah. how, how was that Why for you? We haven't really talked about this. Right. And, and, you know, like for my brother and I, a lot of what we saw was all the new toys he got. Yeah. Right, and we we're like, wow, a little jealous. Oh, so, I guess I need to get sick yeah. so I can go get <laughs> some toys. If I get sick, maybe someone will bring me to you know, because the little kid mind is so different yeah. and not understanding truly what's happening. But thank you, Nick. Well, it's uh, it happens not infrequently that kids don't really want to leave Rankin Jordan because it's such a hospital hospitable right. environment, and sometimes and the world's scary. Now the I have to go scary. out there in scary world where yeah. I'm not around all the people that are going to help me. Right. Right. Wow. Thank you guys for what you do. Well, thank That's you for uh, uh, saying that, and we we love what we do. Yeah, I, you can tell. Thank you so much. And there'll be a TEDx talk. You're listening to this now. It may not be out yet, but it will be out soon. Soon. We're working Can't on wait. it. I know. So it, it takes a while, there, but, you know, it's what's going to go out there, and we want it to be amazing. First so, rate. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Nick, for everything. Thank you, Mish. I really appreciate you bringing me here today and love chatting with you with you today yes thank you and all the gifts you bring awesome and everybody out there you've been listening to mishmash thank you for tuning in and go out and have amazing days and be amazing people and don't forget to be kind bye